Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thriefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. We are still in the offseason. Teams are starting to join us now. We're not the only teams not in the playoffs anymore. The the playoffs have have started and, and teams are starting to get eliminated and we have a lot to talk about. Dave, how are you doing? Better than the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that's for sure. But it, it's weird not being in the playoffs. I got to tell you that. It's weird watching other teams play and not talking about it. Uh, it's weird for the offseason to start this soon. It's just a bizarre feeling, even though, granted, the Blazers are often out in the first round. There's always that little bit of topping on the ice cream sundae of the season that just isn't there this year. I mean, it wasn't just a vanilla season. It was vanilla and gravel. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's just a, an odd and different feeling. I hope we don't have to get used to this too much, but it is what it is. I think that there was, you know, when that shift in the season happened where we realized, okay, at this point we're tanking, we're trying to get a high pick, we're not going to be in the playoffs. I started actually kind of looking forward to the playoffs because I thought, okay, I'm not going to have to watch my team lose. I'm going to get to just watch basketball and, and enjoy the players that I like. You know, CJ McCollum's in there. Gary Trent Jr.'s in there. We've got some guys that I, I like to play. Plus, I mean, there are guys that have never been Blazers that I enjoy watching play. The Golden State Warriors are a blast right now. They're fun to watch. It was fun to watch the Nets and their super team go down. I, I think it's it's just kind of a different, it's a shift of thinking and, and how you enjoy it. So, yeah, I, it's a bummer and it's a little weird not seeing the Blazers in the, in the playoffs. But I think we knew early on this season that if we did make the playoffs, we weren't going probably past the first round. So it keeps the pain of that from from having to take place and we get to kind of enjoy it a little bit earlier. 
Well, first of all, we all need to get a Dia line of t-shirts that just says FTW, but in Dia's case, it means fun to watch. But also, <laughs> like, okay, come on, let's be honest. At the first of the year, you didn't think the Blazers were going out in the first round. No, not at the beginning of the year, but it didn't take long into the year to realize what, you know, as soon as Dame went down, as soon as they announced that he was having surgery at that point it was like okay that's it like we we just need to let this this pipe dream go uh yeah no you're right at the beginning of the season like every season i think this is it this is our year we're we're gonna do it we're gonna pull off some miracle moves we're gonna be the underdog we're gonna be the comeback story that they're gonna be making movies about years down the road where the blazers nobody expected this from them but they came out and they won a championship i I always think this could be it it could be the year as long as we have dame i think i'll continue to think this could be the year and and maybe after that maybe that's just who i am (laughs) well i mean We'll have to see. Maybe next year could be the year, but there's a long time in between now and then. I I think it's interesting. The playoffs are certainly interesting. The East is fascinating. The West seems like it should boil down to a couple teams and probably is, but boy, I mean, even that's more precarious than we thought. I had a conversation this week, and I have to ask you your opinion on this. Looking at the way that, that the season has ended up, who would have thought at the beginning of the season, looking at rosters, looking at everything else, we would not have expected the Lakers to not be in the playoffs. We would not have expected the Nets to go out and get swept in the first round. These are things that we wouldn't have expected. So now looking at the season, is there a part of you that thinks maybe it was, maybe it wasn't the best move making all these trades and getting rid of all these guys. Maybe we should have just kept the roster as it was and gone for it and hope that, you know, this was the lucky break we needed to to get in there and, and make a run for it. I mean, it's a great question, but no, I mean, that was, there's a definite difference between, for instance, the Phoenix Suns who didn't lose two games in a row the entire season and ended up with uh, as many wins as the Portland Trailblazers' best record ever in franchise history. The distance between that and whatever the Blazers would have been is enormous, and there's no reason to think that the Portland team, as constituted, could have overtaken the Suns or beaten the Suns, and I think even an injured Suns team. This team was snake bit from the beginning. It wasn't meshing from the beginning. And, you know, again, you have to... You know, stars, you know, like the Big Dipper, right? You've seen the Big Dipper. Yeah. Well, the Big Dipper only looks like the Big Dipper when you view it from Earth, because those stars that make it up are actually different distances from us. So if you turn it sideways, it's just going to look like an uncoordinated blob, right? You have to turn the Blazers sideways to get a real good team out of what they had. Because, yeah, you had Yusuf Nurkic, he really took off, and Anthony Simons, he had a great season, but that's only when Damian Lillard went down, and then C.J. McCollum also went down, and Nurk was promoted, and Ant was promoted in the uh, rotation, which never would have happened had the two stars not gone down, right? And then Josh Hart as well, I mean, obviously that was after the trade, but he's going to fit in more, but he's probably not going to get all the shots that he got. And then, well, Trendon Watford, would he have even played? Uh, you, You have to like 
like rotate it to see the exact constellation from a certain point. And guess what? 82 games don't happen at that point. And what's more, the Blazers themselves were never, ever, 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 ever at that point where the, all those things would have happened at once. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that they would have been a great team, maybe a kind of good team, but kind of good is exactly what they were trying to get out of. Okay, that's fair. I think it's one of those things where you look at how this year has ended up and there's just this, at least for me, there's a little part of me, and I, I tend to agree with you overall, I think, but there's a little part of me that thinks, man, this is what we need. We just needed, a, we needed a lucky break and this could have been it. But, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's part of the gamble of, of all of this is, is trying to make the moves when you think the best time is. And, Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. Well, and the answer, of course, is not to need a lucky break. The Suns don't need a lucky break. The Warriors don't need a lucky break. The Celtics looked like they did, but then got their defense together. Now they don't need a lucky break. And this is the thing. Okay, so people say, Dave, you're all logical and you're all, you know, some people say pessimistic or whatever. Fine. But that's the direction of the team. That's what this team has been. There was one shining moment in which everybody was all pretty optimistic, including me, or at least granting there might be a chance, which is right after they made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2019 with the asterisk that they got swept by the Warriors, okay? But, you know, maybe you were one or two moves away then from having something, especially if Golden State faltered, because Golden State was the team that beat Portland all these years again and again and again got it but you know what there is no reason there's the blazers have given you no reason to think they are on anything close to an upward swing except for that one year and you know what one year in nine or ten is not enough they're going to have to make some tough decisions they're going to have to show some actual progress before they should be credited with any of that because 30 teams in the league, well, not 30, 26 teams in the league all need a lucky break to make it, and they ain't all going to get it. Okay, that's fair. I, that kind of brings us to our t- main topic for tonight, which, for the record, I, I hate. I hate this. <laughs> I hate doing this every single year. I, I mean, this is, this is the second year we've done it, and it's funny because I didn't know we were going to do it. You just said, okay, it's time to do keep or yeet, and I was like, do, but do we have to? I don't this isn't, I don't like this. Oh. I, I do not enjoy this exercise. You know what, though? Um, People are talking about it. You are popular. I mean, it is, yeah. I mean, not that you weren't already, but like this is a thing uh, at this point. There's a, an enormous around, amount of response to this compared to what I was expecting in the early off season. Uh, so I think, uh, I think people are more, I think there's more gray area this year. There's more that, unrest. Yeah, that that's good for people, but I hate it. So I'm glad I'm glad people are enjoying it because it is every single one. Every time you send me a link to start the next one, it's like, oh no, I don't want to do it. Um, what are you worried about? You've kept everybody but CJ Ellaby. You just gave away the rest of the podcast, Dave. <laughs> no, I didn't because I exist too. But also, it's not about what we're good. We did. That's on yeah. paper. It's about talking about it. But this is not how. And I've talked about this before. I think everybody enjoys basketball differently and that's okay but for me i don't enjoy the comparisons i don't enjoy you know these these talks about michael jordan or lebron james the greatest of all time i hate that conversation you know the steph curry versus dame comparisons i hate it i hate it i want to enjoy players as they are where they're at 
where they're skilled, whatever. I just, that's how I enjoy basketball. I enjoy it that way. So these conversations are really hard for me to have. And I, I want to preface this as we get into this and in saying that every single player that has been on the Portland Trailblazers this year, all 27 of them are incredibly talented basketball players. If you make it to the point of playing in the NBA, even in one game, you are an elite basketball player. And sometimes, um, you know, especially in this exercise, sometimes I'm saying, yeah, we need to let go of this guy, not because I don't like him as a human, not because I don't think he's an insanely good basketball player, but simply for looking forward on, on this team, it just doesn't seem like the best fit. It's a hard conversation for me to have, but here we are. Well, you want to know a secret? I mean, me too. For a slightly different reason, even though I'm more sanguine about losing players from a 27-win team. Uh, I hate binary discussions. I hate it because basketball is not binary. There is no absolute, you know, yes or no, one end of the spectrum, the other. It's always nuanced. And, you know, 354 other days of the year I talk about nothing but that nuance. I mean, I I will sell them. People say, what's the answer? And I don't, you know, I seldom say it's this or it's that. I say, well, here's what's at stake. Here's the moving parts and let's all consider it. But you know what? It's good for us every once in a while to be binary, to step out there, to get, you know, to actually give something that's simple for people to think about and discuss. And it's less for us or to get our opinions out there than to, you know, allow people to discuss their own thoughts on the matter. Yeah. Discussion's always good. As long as it's, as long as it's not mean, (laughs) just don't be mean. Um, So we, we started off with Yusuf Nurkic. Nurk has been an interesting one for me. Dave, you want to start off and, and tell me your thoughts on, on Nurk? Well, I mean, I said, keep obviously, uh, but not for the reason you'd think. And uh, well, there are two reasons. Number one, I think they're going to keep Damian Lillard. So if you keep Damian Lillard, you keep Yusuf Nurkic because you've gummed up, you know, 42 million of the cap already. Uh, you're not going to be able to have enough cap space to sign a better center than Nurk. So there's that. But I'm not entirely sure the Blazers are committed all the way to winning even. I'm not sure that winning at all or even winning the maximum amount of games is an attainable, you know, construct for this roster. But even if it's not, under these circumstances, having Nurk under contract on a reasonable contract gives them more options for the future than letting him go and either having a modest amount of cap space, which you cannot trade, basically. I mean, you have an imbalanced trade, I get it, but it's not going to be enough to make a difference. Uh, or, or, you know, just not having that player on the roster, because that's the other thing. You have to fill up that position. You can't leave it blank. So even if you fill it cheaper, you just don't have enough. There's not enough juice in that for the squeeze so almost no matter what i think you re-sign nurk as long as it's reasonable because even if you don't need him or think he's the best that gives you the trade option down the road yeah nurk was a nurk was an interesting one for me because when we did this at the end of last season i said yeet i i yeeted nurk (laughs) um which this is a terrible word we've got it of all the words in the english language there has to be a different one that rhymes with keep Yeet does not rhyme with keep, but you know what? When people are talking about your word, you did something right. Again, I I never do this. It's such a weird word. This is such a weird word. This is just anti-Dave. You know, this is not. What was it? Was it Brandon? Brandon Goldner uh, on Twitter said, I know neither one of you two came up with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're right. This is not Dave, but this is the whole purpose. Step out of your comfort zone. It's a weird. I never heard that word until this started last year. Oh, my kids. Yeah. Yeet. Uh, eat things all the time 
or well they used to it was like a year ago that they were eating things it's gone by we're, now we're behind the times now stupid. but i last year i said to get to let nerd go and my biggest reasoning and I, we've talked about this before but my biggest reason was at the end of the season in the exit interviews nurk basically s- seemed like he didn't know what he wanted he wasn't sure this was the place for him well it not seemed like he said he didn't know if this was the place for him he didn't know where he was going to be going forward and that didn't sit right with me and i tend to think that if somebody doesn't want to be on a team you don't want them on your team that's when you end up in situations like we've seen we've seen this happen in the nba where guys have forced trades and and to me if you don't if you have a guy that doesn't want to be on the team you do what you can to move them and put them in a place where they want to be because that's where you're going to get the best performance from that person if nurk doesn't want to be in portland he's not going to play to his potential in portland so for me when nurk said yeah i don't know if i want to be here it was like okay we need to let him go we need to move on from him you know, let him go be somewhere else happily. Well, his tune changed and he came back this season and he was ready to go. And and I don't know, it seems sometimes like that loyalty might be even more so to Dame than it is to Portland. And that's fine with me, frankly. Um, I think that's okay as long as there's loyalty there to some degree that we're going to get the performance from him that we need. But when he changed his tune and he started out the season, I thought, okay, we're going to be okay. Nurk's going to be okay. Then we're going to do that. And then obviously, you know, the season took a turn and he didn't play the whole season. But I think that going forward, looking at our roster, looking at our options, looking at our, you know, the salaries and the cap space, the contracts, all that stuff. I think we keep him. I think we keep Nurk. I think we let him play alongside Dame again. They do what they do pretty well together. And I think especially with letting CJ go, there's going to be some other changes there that I think will play into it. I don't think we need to get rid of Nurk. I think we can keep him and I think he'll be a, a good asset for the team. I mean, I, I'm always with an asterisk on this loyalty thing. I mean, I agree with you that he's probably just as loyal to Dame as he is to the franchise. I think Nurk was happier because he got more playing time, which is natural. You know, he got more touches. Yeah. He did become a hub of the offense. If that is not true next year, that may change. Look, I love what Nurk is doing. I love how Nurk has spoken out this season. I love that he's a global citizen. Lots of things to love about Nurkic. I'm really impressed with him. A lot, a lot. At the same time, it makes zero sense to not declare loyalty when you have a contract coming up. Why would you cut off the team that has your bird rights that can pay you more than anybody else and who is also, by the way, uh, without a center except for you? Uh, That just doesn't, you know, so the timing is right for the loyalty to be at the max is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's fabricated. I'm not saying it's uh, he's even giving extra. Maybe everything is, is as it is on face value. But I will say that probably whatever the loyalty is, it's maxed out right now. You're seeing it at its apex. There's no guarantee that things won't evolve. But, as I said, there's no reason to get rid of Nurk if you're keeping Dame, uh, and yeah. plenty of reasons to keep him. So, hey, fair is fair. That's why I voted keep. If the situation were different, based on the situation of the team and Nurkic himself just on face value, I'd probably vote Yeet. But it is, again, what it is. Well, and I think the team has made it pretty clear that Nurk will be back. You know, they they haven't been in any rush to do anything with his contract, which is expiring. And if they were not going to keep him, there would be maybe some more movement. This is a pretty sure thing at this point that Nurk will be back next season. 
Next would be Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons, to me, is maybe one of the easiest ones to discuss. Uh, I think that is absolutely yes, we keep him, which I know is, is kind of a maybe a weird thing to say when we've talked about maybe needing to move C.J. McCollum. Um, because essentially you put Anthony Simons next to Damian Lillard and possibly have the same kind of issues you have with CJ McCollum next to Damian Lillard. The dip, the biggest difference to me is this, is the fact that Anthony Simons is very young. He's very young. And so to me, if you have a guy like Anthony Simons, who is essentially now working with Dame, modeling his game after Dame's kind of easily transitioning right into that spot that Dame is going to leave, that's a perfect transition when you're building a team around Damian Lillard. If you're building a team around Damian Lillard, who's nearing now the end of his prime and, and going to be a, a vet, I mean, he's already a vet, but a, an older player in the league, you know, who knows how much longer he has in, in this time to have a guy that can seamlessly move into his position and play in a similar way that he's played and know the franchise the way that he knows the franchise and be a leader the way that he's been a leader, that's a no-brainer for me. You keep Anthony Simons and you let him slide right into that role where Dame has been as Dame eventually leaves the team. And, you know, in the next few years, if he fills that role to the degree that Dame is, which I think he has the potential to, to be honest, then you you look at the option. You know, then if Dame decides to leave, we still have Anthony Simons. And I think that that's a crucial piece. Yeah, I think you've hit it right there in that Simons is almost the only player, maybe one of two, who is completely independent of all situational considerations. The Blazers drafted him, they've developed him, he's up for his first contract, and they've invested all this time, energy, everything into him. To let him go now for anything short of lots of draft picks, that they might need in the future instead of him now would be ridiculous. And even the draft picks is kind of silly because he's young, as you say. So I can't imagine him getting an offer that they would not match. That does not mean that, again, he's the best option to win right now next to Dame, and that's a seamless fit. I think it's very, very likely that they will have the same issues that they've had all along and that this won't work much better than the old solution did. But Simons is of an age, and of a talent to where whether Lillard stays, Lillard goes, whether Nurkic is here or not, et cetera, et cetera, you, they don't lose anything by having him on the team. So I think yeah. he's an automatic resign. Yeah, I don't even think there's much more to discuss about him. He's been great, and I think he'll continue to be great with this team. And again, he's another one that they've made pretty clear is not going anywhere. Um, and he's also made it clear that he doesn't want to go anywhere. So I, I think he'll be returning Next up is Ben McLemore. Dave, what do you think of Ben McLemore? Ben McLemore, to me, is a three-point shooter with extra bonus. And he gave some of the extra, some of the extra bonus, but his three-point shooting wasn't there consistently. And he's also, you know, a veteran. And, you know, I, I don't think it matters much whether the Blazers keep him or not. 
but for purposes of this exercise, I don't, you know, I, I'd probably just let him go. I don't think, th- I, I told myself that unless there was a compelling reason to say keep, I would say yeet. And I can't think of a real huge one with Ben. I mean, I, I appreciate what he did. I think he had some good moments, but it's just not, it, this is not like a Seth Curry moment for me where I'm going like, we got to keep this guy off the bench. Uh, I, I just don't think it matters too much. How about you? I would go the other way. I would say keep. You know, Ben is somebody who came in and really, again, was a difference maker for us this season. And I know that next season is not going to look the same as this season. And I think that's something we have to take into consideration. That being said, I feel like Ben McLemore in in a lot of ways kind of came in and filled in the role that we lost with with Robert Covington. They don't play the same way. They're not the same player. I am not suggesting that. But I think he fills kind of avoid uh especially coming off the bench i i know he again he's finished the season playing a lot of minutes and and spending a lot of time out there but next season's going to be different um ben is one that i think i think you keep uh i think he's been great for the team and and i think he's worth keeping looking forward next year i can see what you're saying and and i don't i don't think he's one that i would say is that you fight to the death. I think if there's a, you know, a a situation where it's a good, I think there are very few players in this conversation where you say absolutely keep under any circumstances. Um, And I wouldn't say he's one of those, but I do think that for the sake of this conversation, I would say keep. Next is CJ Ellaby. CJ Ellaby is a tricky one for me. He's one that, you know, we drafted. We've watched him become the player that he is from day one. But here's where I fall with CJ Ellaby. I'm going to, this is going to be the first one that I'm going to say eat on. Uh, And the reason being, again, I like CJ Ellaby as as a human. I like him even as a player. I think he has a lot of hustle, a lot of heart. I think he goes out there and he he gives it his all. Um, But here's where I fall with CJ Ellaby. This season, we had 27 players on the roster. And CJ Ellaby was one of the original players on our roster. He was, you know, he, again, we drafted him. He's been with the team since he was drafted. In that time, we pulled guys up from the G League. We had other rookies that came in. You know, he's not a rookie anymore. We had guys that came in and, and were rookies um, and, and played around him. And to me, if you have been on the team for more than one year and, and you're surrounded by rookies and guys that are coming up from the G League and you are not standing out amongst them, that's an issue. And that's how I feel with CJ Ellaby. He did fine. He did okay. But amongst a team of 27 players on the roster at one point or another, of varying degrees of of skill and experience, CJ Ellaby did not stand out. There are many players on this roster that I would pick over him. So while I wish him the best, I hope to see him land somewhere and do well because I like him as a human, I would say let him go. Yeah, if we're doing the human element, then I would say keep all of them. I mean, I, just, I think right, that's right. fine. Just no, no. I mean, if you're looking at this from a basketball perspective, no. I think LB got a chance to show himself. Granted, he's not fully you know, grown into who he's going to be yet, but his, the scope of his play was not NBA level. And we're talking about just basic stuff like layups and passes and stuff that now granted he did make hustle plays and there were plays that he 
did make. I'm not saying that he did. He was incapable, but you've got to be bankable. You've got to be reliable on the basic stuff. And he just wasn't. I mean, just uh, it got yeah. to be to where I would expect. It's like, oh, the ball went to Ellaby. That's not a good thing. Uh, it's just cross your fingers that this works out. You remember? Yeah, I don't know if you probably don't. When Raymond Felton came to the Blazers and Nate McMillan was playing him off of LaMarcus Aldridge and playing him as a standstill three-point shooter, which is not Raymond Felton's game, the ball would go into LaMarcus Aldridge. He would get double-teamed. He would kick out to Felton for a standstill three. And that feeling that I got when watching Felton try to shoot that standstill three, some of them went in. He wasn't horrible. He was, you know, slightly below average to near, near not great, right? But you got that feeling like, oh, no, this is not a good thing. This is not a good shot. My stomach clenched like that every play that went through Ellaby. I mean, it's just because you never knew if it was going to be okay, which was the high end, or just a disaster, which happened more often than I care to remember. So, I mean, again, nothing personal. And, you know, forgive me, Mr. and Mrs. Ellaby, you know, CJ, you play basketball better than I could have ever dreamed. But this is not the right situation for him. Yeah, I agree. It's always, those ones are always tough for me. Well, um, I hate it because people are callous about it. I mean, come on. Like you say, yeah. these are human beings. Uh, yeah. I'm a basically kind person. I don't like that. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just going, yeah. there needs to be more development somewhere before he's at this level of responsibility. Now, look, he's on a longer-term contract. He's very cheap. If the Blazers bring him back as the 12th man, no harm, no foul, he just doesn't belong playing 20 minutes a night or 30 minutes a night or anything close to that. And I think these conversations are okay. I think it's okay to look at this and say, look, this is what we need. This is what we don't need. Uh, The thing for me is a lot of times when people have conversations like this, it's almost like you're talking about they're dehumanized. You know, they, let's take into account the fact that these are people who have worked really hard for this, for their dream. Let's take into account that these are human beings, that these are people with families who care about them. And, and we never want to personally insult uh, a player. We, like you said, you know, if we were going on personal merit, we'd keep all of them. They're great guys. And, and we've been fortunate to kind of get to know a little bit about them and, and see who they are as people. And I think actually CJ Ellaby has been one of my favorites with that. I, I've loved watching his dad, his family interaction, the way that he's responded to people and, and been involved has been really, has been really cool. And I, I, you know, I wish him the best. Well, we should go a step farther and say, who cares what we think of them personally in a sense? That's not my judgment. I'm not, you know, they're, they're, we're, they're supposed to be judged on playing basketball. I get what you're saying. I'm not contradicting it. I'm saying that I would never presume to say one guy on a basketball team is a good guy and another guy is not a good guy. That's like a level of judgment that very quickly gets icky. It doesn't matter if you're a good guy or not. For these purposes, it's how you play basketball. And I think that's fair. It also goes the other way, though, too, in that there's a nasty habit among players. And granted, lots of stuff that people say, including people like us, gets used as bulletin board material. That's fine if that's your internal motivation and you put that, you know, someone has big Y-E-E-T in capital letters on their whiteboard as they work out in the summer. It's like, yeet me take this. I'm great with that, right? But when it gets turned back around, like in the public venue, and any criticism of a player's basketball ability gets met with indignation, we're also down a very dangerous path now. This is a spectator 
sports. I mean, it, it, it happens because people watch it and people are engaged with it and people evaluate it, some better than others. But that evaluation is intrinsic to it. And as soon as you say, there shall be no evaluation except the positive evaluation and you shall not say anything that the, a player does not approve of, then you, you have absolutely bent the whole process in a way that's just as unfair as, as saying, well, I can say whatever I want about a player because he's getting millions of dollars and I can be an ass. Neither one of those ends of the spectrum is actually valid, I think. Yeah, agreed. Nasir Little. Nasir Little is another one. What do you think of Nasir Little, Dave? Another no harm, no foul, absolutely independent of everything else. Doesn't matter what circumstance the team is in. He's cheap. He's grown. He plays defense. He's aggressive. He has that it factor, a little bit of a spark in him that he's still developing. I think his injury, along with Trendon Watford's, were the two actually worst things. To ha- I rue those more than Damian Lillard's injury, actually. I think Dame's actually served a little bit of a purpose. Not that I would have wanted it to happen, but I can see that, you know, getting better, he seeing what the rest of the team really is all those are like silver linings to the dame thing and uh, i didn't like it but okay i was much more disturbed by (coughs) nasir little and by trendon watford getting injured because that was just no they were starting to grow and you were really seeing who they are uh i'm great with bringing nasir little back now do i think he's indispensable probably not do i think he's going to be a star i don't know but that's immaterial he's making little enough money and showing way more than enough promise to justify it and and he plays small forward uh you absolutely bring him back yeah i agree nasir little felt like a different kind of monster to me at the beginning of this season. He went out there and just, I mean, the heart and and the enthusiasm that we saw from him was just on another level than what we've seen. And I think, you know, there was some talk about how uh, Chauncey Billups had encouraged him to be, you know, the, the hardest working, most hustle player on the court at all times. And I think he took that to heart. And I think he ran with it. And we saw that. We saw that happening with him. And I was just really, really high on him at the beginning of this season. And it was really sad to watch him go down and not get to finish the season out, especially looking at how the season ended up and and the time and and experience that the younger guys got this season. If Nasir had gotten that time and experience, that would have been huge for him. And I'm, I'm sad that he didn't. That being said, I agree with you. I think he's one of the players that you put in that higher tier of Let's keep him if at all possible. Um, I think he is, again, somebody that's young, that's talented, that's showing a lot of promise that I think has a really high ceiling and will be a great fit now as well as a crucial part of the Blazers' future. And I think that there's very few players who fit both those bills. Yeah, it's him and Simons, basically. I mean, there are a couple others on the fringes. but And the word, I think we're looking forward to describe how he played is aggressively. He yes. showed a great, now sometimes that was unbridled. I mean, block hunting and making too, too big of a place for the situation. But you know what? First of all, that evolved. He learned pretty quickly how to channel that. So I was really impressed by that. But second of all, even if he hadn't have let that ride, 
I mean, because that's one word that absolutely has not described this team ever in this era, even at their best. Now, I understand that Lillard was a James Bond-like assassin, and I absolutely credit that. Uh, But overall, as a team, and even with Dame, that kind of absolutely in-your-face beat you down, go all out, dive on the floor, tear this ball out of your hands, aggression is not in the DNA of this franchise right now, and Little brings it. So they could use a shot of that. And you know what? It only takes one or two in order to make the team aggressive. So uh, I I value that as well, particularly for this team. Yep, I agree. He was definitely definitely an aggressive player this year, and that was a great thing to see. Trenton Watford is the next one, and and you kind of mentioned this, that this was one of the harder injuries to see. I would agree. I think Trenton, he was a surprise. He was, he, we came into the season and, and when we, um, when he started to play more minutes, I thought, okay, well, this could go a couple different ways, but I feel like he really picked it up and he really proved himself to be a consistent help. And I think that again, next year and going forward with, with this team, he's going to be a solid role player on this team. I think he's earned it. I think he's earned himself some legit minutes and i think that we're going to see that and i'm i definitely think we keep him yeah i put i mean i'll skip ahead too i put trendon watford and drew eubanks in the same category of guys who stepped up and filled minutes now the team did not succeed there are huge asterisks with this i do not think that they are starters i do not think that under normal nba pressures with a team that plans to succeed i don't think they are that high in the rotation right now okay they are they have been given way more minutes than they would normally get that shouldn't happen again but what they showed in that minute, in those minutes, reliability, growth, uh, the ability to read and make the correct plays, which this is something I mentioned in the Eubanks Keeper Yeet that was written, and I think it shouldn't be underestimated, that there was every reason for all of these players to go into business for themselves. Uh, I, I am trying to impress not just this GM, but all 30 GMs. I need a job. I, I am on the fringes of this league. I've got to show what I I have right now and everything else be damned neither one of them did it they they played in and through the system and they flourished in them that's a maturity and a reliability that i absolutely value and last thing for me is both of them looked like they loved being trailblazers and you know what, I, I'm, I don't care about that as much as some people do on the upper levels of the, you know, if it's your superstar or your starters, they've got it. It's basketball. I don't care what you love or hate. It's about the basketball and the team situation. But when you're talking about the mid bench or the lower bench, that's actually a real asset. Like, I want to be here. I want to I want to do I want to give my all for this team. That also begins to permeate, I think, the, the locker room and the lineup uh, in a way that is positive so uh, that that they both performed that way and showed that kind of desire uh really impressed me yeah drew eubanks being a portland kid and a local kid and and um coming in i think was really cool he's one that i was iffy about with this i i said keep with an asterisk of you know and and here's why it has nothing to do with drew it has to do with the fact that that center position for us is notoriously tricky. Um, it's notoriously something that we struggle with. And 
I think that we should keep him. But I think if an opportunity came where we had a really stellar option for a backup center, we would need to take it. But I don't have any in mind. Like for what I know and what's available and what our resources are, I think Drew Eubanks is what we have. And I think he's solid. And I think he's going to do the job. Um, I'm not mad about that at all. I think he'll be great. And I think exactly like you said, he wants to be there. And I love that for him. Um, I love that for for the team. I think he's I think he's an asset. I think he's going to be great. And I think, you know, again, we saw a, a lot of quick growth in him this season. So I think that'll translate next year as well. And with Drew, you can have both and. He could be yeah. the third string center. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. And here's the thing. That's true. Look, there's one school of thought. And if the team is completely rebuilding, okay. Well, you're still not sad to have them because they don't cost anything and they're fine players. But the team's completely rebuilding. Maybe you want uh, random sparky talent down in those lower positions because you need something to hit and grow into the future and you've got to have someone who might be a star even if it's only a 10% chance and 90% of them is is going to be not good, right? Because you take that 10% chance because that's what you need. But let's presume the Blazers are coming back with Lillard, building a, what they hope to be a contender or whatever. What do you need coming off the bench on a really good team? Basically, you need reliability. Right, yeah. you need you need someone who's going to come in and not mess it up, and who's going to play with energy and make the right play in those ten minutes they are in the game, so you don't blow it when the starters have to sit. That uh, what the quick growth that Eubanks and Watford showed this year was exactly in that vein. I have all the reasons in the world not to make the right play, not to do the right thing, and I did it. Okay, well, you know. Uh, then when you have all the reasons in the world to make the right play and to fill those minutes adequately, I believe you're going to do that too. So I, I trust them. And yeah, I don't think there's any downside in having either one of them back. The last one that we have discussed um, this week so far, we have a few more that we'll probably talk about next week. The last one is Justice Winslow. Justice was one, you know, this is this is where I started to think, okay, I've got to adjust how I'm thinking about this. And maybe the thing to do is is to think about this in the sense of because it's hard. It's hard when we're in a transition phase like we are, because I don't you know, in the past, I feel like this has been an easier conversation because we kind of knew who we were going to have. We kind of knew the direction we were going. We knew what moves were going to be made. I feel like we're in a place where it's hard to really know. Like, I feel like the rug could get pulled out from under us and things. I mean, that's what happened mid season. The rug got pulled out from under us. The things that happened shocked me. I would not have expected. I think we kind of expected that CJ was going to get traded. That had been talked about. That wasn't a surprise, but what we ended up with was a surprise. And I'm not saying that, I mean, we ended up with some great players and, and I know people have mixed feelings about that, whatever. But, but my point being Nobody saw it coming. I didn't see Josh Hart coming. That was a surprise. And so I, I feel like that a little bit going forward that it, we could have the rug pulled out from under us and we could be completely shocked by who we end up with. And that makes it really hard to have this conversation of who do we keep and who do we not because we don't know what else we're going to have or what's going to change. That being said, I, I'm looking at these players as who do I want around Damian Lillard? Because that's a pretty sure thing. Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, those are pretty much sure things. So who do we want around them? And Justice Winslow is a tough one for me because I really like him as a player. 
And I think that he offers a lot as, as far as defense and especially with what we've had in the past, it's really hard for me to say to get rid of a defensive minded player because I'm so used to needing that so badly. But I also think when you have Damian Lillard and you have Anthony Simons, that's who whose hands I want the ball in. And I don't necessarily know if Justice Winslow fits that. I'm kind of up in the air on this one. I'm having a hard time with this one. I My gut says keep, but I also think that we'd be okay if he moved on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, it's probably a yeet for me for the same reason that I gave before, because theoretically, if I don't have a strong reason to keep, I'm going to say yeet. But... Uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to get rid of him. That doesn't mean there's any reason to get rid of him. He's making $4 million. It's the last year of his contract. they got to fill salary slots somewhere. That's actually a salary that could make a difference in a trade. Uh, those are all good reasons to keep him, in addition to what you named, which is uh, he has some potential. He has a lot of athleticism. Look, there's no reason not to keep him. Uh, and and yeah. I think they probably will. It's just yeah. like, it's one of those like shoulder shrug things where you don't expect that he's really going to develop into a star uh, because simply, you know, he's had that chance a couple times before and every time the story's been the same, looks great right away and then kind of fades into obscurity, just can't quite pick it up. I imagine the story will be the same here. I'm fine with them keeping him. It just, I don't think it matters too much. I guess if they, I would say this, if they really think he has upside, they should keep him because there's no reason yeah. to, to get rid of him. And look, y'all can make the shirts if you want, but he's fun to watch. I like him. I like his face. He always looks like he's enjoying himself. He just looks like he wants to be there. And I enjoy watching him play. So we've got to get those shirts. We've got to get FTW. <laughs> oh, no. We've redefined the entire term. Okay. <laughs> so two quick things before we end the podcast, because this took up the majority of it, but two things that I think are worth talking about real quick. First of all, Anthony Simons uh, came in eighth place in the most improved player voting. It's that doesn't seem like a big thing, but that's a big thing when you have an entire league of people that are getting votes for him to come in in eighth place is big. I think if he had finished out the season, if he hadn't gotten hurt and had to sit, we might be having a slightly dif different conversation. I don't know if he would have won it. I personally think he should have uh, if he'd kept going the trajectory that we saw him on. Um, you know, John Morant is who won it. And John Morant is absolutely a superstar at this point. But the thing to me is he was borderline that last season too. So for me, John Morant is spectacular as a player and he deserves all kinds of accolades and awards, but most improved when, you know, I, I saw somebody tweet something that I thought was so true. And she basically said, uh, the most improved player isn't supposed to be somebody that was a second a second overall pick and has, you know, doing all these big things like John Morant was. Uh, uh, most improved player is supposed to be a, who the heck are you? Where did you come from player? And I feel like that is, that's a paraphrase, but I feel like that is exactly what we are seeing with Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons last year, I'll say this over and over and over again. There were people, there were Portland fans who were saying he's not good enough to be the backup point guard. And he went from that to being compared to Damian Lillard. And I think that that is that speaks volumes for his game and his ability and his improvement over the last year. 
I will say that even though I think this is lower than he should have been ranked on this list, I understand because of injury and not playing the whole season why that happens. But huge, huge shout out and congratulations to Anthony Simons, who really has massively improved. And I am really proud to have on this team. Well, first of all, with John Morant, I think a lot of that is we're not going to vote you for MVP, number one, and maybe we feel like we should. So we're going to give you this instead. Like I could see a lot of uh, remorse or kind of, you know, uh, alleviating people's guilt. Uh, And and I get it. uh, At the end of the season, there were some injuries and other stuff, I think, that kind of took him out of that discussion. But between the middle of the season and about the two-third or three-quarters mark, he was right up there in the tippy top with like, this guy could be the MVP. So I think that is coloring people's vote a little bit. Uh, I agree that uh, Simons would have been, I, I think he really had a shot to win it if he would have posted another 40-point game, kept his average up, which I think he could have done because who yeah, else is going to score? I mean, look, the Blazers yeah. weren't exactly replete with options at the end of the season. Had Simon stayed in there, he could have had a buffet of, of shots. He, I think he could have walked away with it. But yeah. didn't happen, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it, the, the value of that award is sketchy anyway. The only other thing I'd say is maybe that he wasn't good enough to be a point, the you know, backup point guard is probably not quite the angle. Maybe that he didn't have the skills of a point guard, that he's more of a shooting guard. That, I think, was a valid argument last year. It might be slightly less so this year, but you know asterisk we still haven't seen him play point guard on a functional team and he if dame comes back he's not going to be playing point guard next year he's going to be playing shooting guard so i mean we'll, we'll still have to see on that uh, but i think Pete blazer fans probably thought that simons was talented they just didn't know of what flavor i think we have a little more definition now but that flavor still needs some testing i either way it's a it's it's accomplishment to be mentioned on the list at all so yeah that's that's well and and simon's is i mean for non-blazer fans for blazer fans you can talk about watford a little bit you can talk about eubanks or little but for non-blazer fans for the general public simon's is the success story of the year for the blazers and there isn't even a close second i mean and so i mean fantastic coming out you know, debut, debutante, whatever you want to call it, ball. Uh, it was, it was great, great season for him, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. For sure. Last thing that I think is worth a mention as we're in the playoffs, even though it doesn't directly pertain to the Trailblazers, is the fact that the Brooklyn Nets have been eliminated. They were swept in the first round, did not win even one game, which is not what we were expecting. Uh, when the season started. I've got feelings about this, but Dave, I'll let you start. No, go ahead, start. I'm curious to hear yours, actually. Uh, You know, I think that this is proof, once again, that you cannot just throw together talent and hope that it works. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think that it's also proof that there are a lot of really good teams, especially in the East this season. And I think that, really it's it it's really still anybody's to win at this point i think we could see some some other upsets i think it could be you know it could come down to it where you know a lot of times i feel like we kind of have an idea of who's going to end up in the in the conference finals and then in the championships but i feel like it could go a lot of different ways 
the one thing that has been an interesting conversation to me is that's come out of this is maybe not directly this, but is, is the whole idea of a player's legacy being tied to things like championships. And there's been a lot of talk about Kevin Durant uh, specifically. And I may come down on a, an unpopular opinion here, but I personally don't feel like you can tie a player's an individual player's legacies on team achievements. I think that they don't take away from that. They add to a legacy for sure. If a player has, you know, five championships, that's huge. But I don't think that that should count. I think that a lack of championship, a lack of team accomplishments should not count against a, a player. And, you know, I was watching this series and I'm thinking what, you know, there's there was all this talk going into this last game about how the Nets were getting swept and how this was wild and how it was so bad from Kevin Durant to to get swept and get out in the first round and all this stuff. And all I could think is, okay, but what if he goes out and scores, you know, 60 points and the team comes back and, and wins and they push it to a seventh game and, and they win? And what if they go on to the next round? They're the first NBA team in history to do that because no team has ever gone from 0-3 to, to making it out of the round. So then that changes his legacy from everybody talking crap about him, basically, to then, wow, this is a huge accomplishment that he's made based off of a course of just a couple of games. And it got me to thinking about the fact that, like, so many of these things come down to just one or two games or one or two performances, when in reality, like, they could go a lot of different ways. And I just think, and maybe this is personal for me because of Damian Lillard. And, and the way that, you know, people talk about Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard doesn't have championships. He has a gold medal. Um, you know, he has other accolades that he's built and he's very clearly a fantastic player. But I feel like sometimes he doesn't get the recognition or won't going forward in his career if Portland continues to struggle with a championship and Dame stays in Portland. I wonder what he'll be talked about at the end of the his career. Like, I wonder how they'll talk about him. And that's hard for me because I look at him as such a good player and, and someone who should have such a legacy, but there are certain things that as one player, you can't achieve alone. And so anyway, that's where my head is with all of this. I, I, I think it's been, you know, it, it's, it's ironic that the nets were swept in the first round. And obviously at the beginning of the season, we thought they were going to be a very different story. But uh, that's kind of taken my brain in, in some different directions. Yeah, let's nuance that championship talk a little bit. I think there are some players whose legacies are directly tied to championships. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, probably Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, all of whom are, t I mean, uh, also, you know, a lot of the Celtics of the 1960s. Right. And I think that they are directly tied to championships because they won them. Okay. And I think that is fair to say, okay, this was not just a legacy. This was a championship legacy. And clearly, those players were the best of the best. Okay. And there's, there's very little argument about that. But then there are also players who play in the same eras as those players who, because only one team actually wins the championship, uh, will not have the same number of championships, but also their talent transcends 
that. And I think Durant is one of those. Uh, now, obviously, Kevin Durant does have championships with the Warriors. He will be spoken of when his career is done as an NBA champion, always and forever. It will not right now, because we're so close to it, we pick that apart. But 10 years from now, they will say Hall of Famer, absolutely all world, all time NBA player and NBA champion Kevin Durant. And those will all go together seamlessly. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that. But I, I don't hold Durant's lack of championships against him. I think just LeBron is always there. I don't think I don't think LeBron is winning them all. I get that. But LeBron is the guy who took his team to the finals every dang year for like 13 years. I mean, you're just not going to equal that. Now, I will say this, though. There is a level of star that is below that level. You're, you're in-universe stars. You're uh, stars of this era, right? That are not transcendent like Durant is. All time, all world have to be mentioned in every NBA great conversation. And I think for those era stars, of the era stars, championships are a valid differentiation point. And not that... Look, if a guy like Lillard stays with one team their whole career and never has a chance to win a championship because the team's not good, that's one thing. But also, I think there is validity to saying, you know what? Individual stardom that doesn't ever lead to a chance at a title is a step below. I mean, it just it just kind of is. Uh, it means that you weren't quite there at that Durant-LeBron level. Uh, and your teammates didn't get enough better you know to 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 take you there and those both operate but there is a synergy there that when it doesn't happen i can see saying you know mention this guy is very very good especially locally for the teams he played but they're he and kevin durant or he and lebron james are not the same thing oh, i just i don't know i i think lebron james is a tough one to compare to mm -hmm. but you talk about him i think he's in a different class i think you put lebron james and michael jordan essentially in a different class from other players well, but damian lillard's not in kevin durant's class either Kevin Durant has won scoring titles. Kevin Durant has been an MVP. Kevin Durant yeah, has won. He's also titles. been in the league longer. I'm talking about when we get to the end of, of I don't know. I, I'm not saying that they are. What I'm saying is I was using Kevin Durant as an example because that's the current conversation that's surrounding it. And actually, I was giving him his accolades and saying that I don't think that the fact that they got booted in the first round should fall on his legacy. I, I, I think that there's, you know, basketball is a team sport and obviously we measure individual statistics and individual accomplishments. And that's a, a big part of it. But I also think that you can't fault a person, one person for a team's failings. Um, and I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of that with the nets. There's a lot of fault that's being put on Kevin Durant and it's like, well, it's, it's not just him. There's a lot of, individuals you could blame and there's a, a whole team that that didn't do enough so well man, i don't know look i mean yes this is this is a management fault right I mean, I get what Brooklyn is doing, trying to build a super team and they have the resources to do it and the cachet to do it fine. But you know what? 
James Harden turned out to be not amenable to playing with them any more than he was amenable to playing with anybody else, literally anybody else. And he turned out, except for, uh, you know, he had a stretch where he looked his usual all-world self. But other than that stretch, he looked pretty pedestrian for a star, especially for a star you were calling a franchise star. So they didn't have James Harden operating at full level. Kyrie Irving, I don't even know about anymore. He couldn't play in the home games, and even when he does play, okay, he is great individually skill-wise, but he's never been known as a real team lifter or team player, especially in Boston. And the time when he looked best and actually produced the best was when he was with, surprise, LeBron James. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving's not bankable. And then you traded away Harden for Ben Simmons, who never played for you, which means all you've got is Kevin Durant. And uh, look, I respect Kevin Durant, uh, and I think he's he's absolutely, I mean, he's one of the two best, best players of this era, period. No, no argument at all from me, ever. Uh, but even when he was in Oklahoma City with a young Harden and a young Russell Westbrook, he wasn't carrying teams to the finals, or I'm sorry, to an NBA championship by himself, you know? He didn't win it there. Uh, he did win in Golden State, but obviously they had a lot of infrastructure around him, and he's never going to be that guy who just, it's Kevin Durant and that's a ring. And, and his team didn't help him. All he needed was a little help. All he needed was a little sanity, and he didn't get it. That's not his fault, although I guess he may have angled for those particular players. But basically, this is the role of management to put together a team that works. That team did not work. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, it's it's. There's so many. I think what you said about nuance is important. There's. I think it's hard for people to remember that sometimes, that there are so many nuances amongst these conversations. This is why I hate these conversations about who's the best and making these comparisons because it, part of it depends on what you enjoy. Part of it depends on how you define the best. It's There's so many things that just are not black and white when it comes to this. And anyway, I don't know. It's anybody's year this year. That's for sure. The Nets went out in the first round. I remember tweeting at the beginning of the season that the Nets had drafted everyone except for Jesus and Tom Brady. You know, I mean, what a what a change from that till now. It's just nobody expected this. So I think, I think it's gonna be an interesting playoffs. It's it's really is just everybody's anybody's anybody's game still, anybody's championship to win. Yeah, and I, I love it. I mean, as you're looking at how these series are likely to go, I think we're gonna get some incredible matchups in the second round. And just about every first round contest was interesting this look there's no super team here probably especially phoenix is injured but this may be the most entertaining year for the nba playoffs we've seen in a long time and i i kind of love that if the blazers can't be in it there's a lot to like about this postseason yeah there absolutely is all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back next week with the uh, second half or the tail end of Keeper Yeet. Plus, uh, we're getting closer to May 17th, the, uh, getting closer to that lottery drawing. You know what we should talk about? We should talk about like rituals and lucky stuff that we need to do as we get to May 17th to get the Blazers pick up in the top three right don't put that pressure on me oh yeah but you gotta have some lucky <laughs> rituals or whatever do you have a fancy rainbow colored uniform unicorn that you like you know i'm sure i rub- can come up with some <laughs> oh yeah that would be great we should get we should get like little stuff and you know whatever it is to make this happen because that's that's the big jump up and down point and celebrate anyway it will be may 
when we talk next and just a couple weeks from that lottery drawing, which will determine a lot about how Portland's offseason is going to go. So we will look forward to that conversation, among others. And for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here and out of you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.